Radio Influence, podcasting redefined. Hey, pretty ladies, and welcome to Instant Pretty Podcast. I'm Abby Kiefer. And I'm Tally Keen, your hosts hostesses of hostesses. (laughs) Today we are joined by a guest who has a very interesting story that led her into the beauty industry, beauty photography to be exact. Jennifer McIntyre was raised in upstate New York. She was a self-proclaimed tomboy growing up not knowing much about the beauty or trends going on in that time frame. She was an athlete and felt that beauty didn't really fit into her sporty lifestyle. After 9-11, she decided to enlist into the U.S. Army. As an officer, she worked on some of the biggest strategic problems they sent her way. In 2009, she picked up the camera for the very first time while deployed and quickly realized this was her true calling. Welcome, Jennifer. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to participate. We delved a bit into your background. Can mm-hmm. you fill in the gaps that brought you to photography? Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm from New York, about an hour and a half north of New York City. Um, I went to high school at John Jay uh, High School in Hopewell Junction, New York. Um, I have no idea where that is. No, it's <laughs> across the river from West Point, a little bit oh, back, cool. um, you know, in the in the woods a little bit. Nice. Um, but yeah, so I I was supposed to be an architect major in high school. Didn't pursue it in college, but I uh, took an art and math track, so it allowed me to do a lot of fine arts drawing and um, pen and ink mm-hmm. and lithograph stuff like that, and uh, and of course like the painful math classes that you get to do um, on the on the balance of that. So I went to college in Buffalo, New York, and like I said, I was intending to be an architect major and. I went to Buffalo, New York because it offered everything just in case I wanted to change my mind. And then um, in the beginning of sophomore year is when 9-11 happened. So that kind of changed my life a little bit. Totally different track that I took. Um, I was in ROTC, which is the Reserve Officer Training Corps. And I was just like fascinated with the military. So I decided that in college that if the school had it, I would take the classes that would you know go along with that. And then just 9-11 just changed everything for me. So after that, I decided that I was going to sign up. And then uh, when I commissioned in 2004, I went into the Army as a second lieutenant. Do you so, have family from the military or do you have any yeah. background military? Yeah. Background? So my grandfather was a, um officer in the Philippine Army. And then my father, when they immigrated to the U.S., he joined the reserve mm-hmm. uh, officers, uh, reserve corps. So he was actually an enlisted soldier, not an officer. And then... Uh, I went in and then my brother followed me into the Air Force. So, wow. so, so far I'm still the only one that's in, um, from like the immediate family and, uh, just trying to finish out my career there. So, but yeah, like we, we've kind of got a history, but, um, none as long as mine right now. And you grew up saying cl- pretty close to West Point. So was that any yeah. part of like an influence for you growing up? I used to play softball there. So for tournament softball, you get to go to the West Point wow. complex and it's just beautiful. I mean, it's it's historical, right? And uh, you always sometimes would see the cadets during the summer. So that was kind of like a nice treat because they're always in their uniforms or whatnot. So it always piqued you my mean, interest. Yeah. But um, <laughs> you mean a man in a uniform or a warrior. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Both. Um, yeah. It was just always interesting because, I mean, coming up, I, you know, I didn't grow up in the military. So my parents weren't in it. My dad was, but we divorced. So um, and he did his time before I really like knew what was going on. So you never really saw my dad in uniform, mm-hmm. but um, 
going to play softball here and there, like you would see soldiers on the road because they would do weekend drills or mm-hmm. you go to West Point and you play and you see some of the cadets around. So it was kind of, it was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, so I, I commissioned in 2004 as a second lieutenant. First stop was Korea. And then a year later, I'm back stateside and we're heading over to Iraq. And then um, about my second deployment, that's when I picked up the camera. No, I'm sorry, picked up the camera. And uh, I just wanted to photograph my soldiers and make sure that the family saw the pictures and that they were able to say, you know, they're still they're still there. They're, they're working. Wow. They're having fun, you know. Because we're gone for 12 months at a time. So, That's right. Yeah. So, why did you choose the army? Wow. Oh. Was there something specific? <laughs> I mean, um, there must have been, right? I mean, isn't actually, that a big choice? Well, I saw the army a lot because just West Point's army, um, just kind of saw army soldiers all the time. But the uh, I didn't want to go to sea. So, mm-hmm. I didn't want to be in the Navy. I knew nothing about the Air Force, had no experience with it, never saw it. So, never had exposure to it. And then in college, I actually did try the Marine Corps Officer Candidate School, which was a summer down in Quantico. Wow. Basically got my butt kicked Mm -hmm. and came back to Buffalo. Um, And then, you know, I just had the option of continuing with the Army. So that's how I ended up uh, being commissioned into the Army. Uh, Great story. Uh, I do want to talk about um, basically what makes you... A great photographer. I've seen your work. It's beautiful. It's to me, it's very, um, just very real, um, very relatable in some ways. But we can imagine that while your time in the army, you were exposed to some pretty intense situations. And did you find this to be instrumental in seeing the humanity in people? Yeah, I just, um, I just want to, you know, people be people. I mean, you know, be real. You know, there's a lot of fake. And I don't say fake, uh, maybe overdone beauty photography or overdone photos in the world. And I think, you know, who you are is really important and to retain that in a photo. So anytime I try and do photography, I don't go with the mindset unless we're going to do something like dramatic with the makeup. I don't try and go with the mindset that we're going to change your features mm-hmm. so that you're not recognizable. Right. Sure. Because you're not going to use it. You know, you're not going to proud like you may or may not, depending what the theme is. But you're not, um, I wouldn't try and have a photographer take a photo of me and then the outcome is it doesn't even look like me. And I think being in intense situations or situations where we have lost soldiers, we are actually always remembering them every year and we're always digging up a photo of them and wow. posting it back on Facebook and remembering people and that's all we have left over. So I try and just keep everything real and maybe that's the rawness that you feel in it because it's not it's not overdone and I don't think I've drastically changed somebody's features. But I think, you know, every time, every year, and it's been several years since we've lost people that we never forget and we always try and find that one photo. Right. So I think it's I think it's important to remember people the way they are. So So um this is not even in our notes, mm-hmm. but when you w- were deployed and you were photographing both men and women, I'm assuming, or did you? Did well, you these stay- are just candid. Um, so just everyday life type stuff. Um, I would, cause I, you know, being the commander, I've had my own soldiers that I went over to a combat zone with. Um, I remember my first tours where we lost soldiers. So I didn't want to be in a situation again, where should I ever have lost somebody? I didn't have a photo right. to, to give back because that's a long time that you're away from your family. You don't, 
and not that they don't have photos, but there's a lot of months in between. So yeah. I would just take the camera that I got uh, for Christmas the previous year, and I would just go outside and the soldiers might be lined up for a convoy and they're throwing the football around. Or, you know, they're doing, they're conducting training and they're instructing or they're leading. And I would just take the camera out. And it's a little bit of stress relief for myself too, but I would just take it out and take, snap a few photos and, you know, get them exported out of the, the camera card and send them home to our rear detachment. And uh, hopefully, you know, they gave them out. But in the end, all my soldiers, uh, it was a couple of years ago. So it was like 2009. I didn't really do like file management type stuff. Mm -hmm. So somewhere I have them, but I put them on Facebook and just let the soldiers, you know, have access to that folder. And if they want them, they want them. If they don't, it's okay. So I, um, I want to switch gears slightly, mm -hmm. but because we are a beauty podcast, sure. <laughs> yeah. um, I want to talk about the uniforms. Okay. <laughs> I want to talk about yep. the fashion yeah. of the military. The and I know it's not intended yep. to be fashion. It's utilitarian. Mm -hmm. Kind of every step of the way was right. designed for utilitarian purposes. Mm -hmm. Well, the fact that we have so many women in the military now, are there mm -hmm. considerations? Have you found that there mm -hmm. are still gaps or considerations for the woman's, the female mm -hmm. form? And I have a reason yeah. for asking this. Okay. Um, it's just something I think about. Mm -hmm. You know, when you ever a woman is more involved in a more of a um, kind of a male dominated mm -hmm. industry, right. mm -hmm. like where the transition period is for that. But yep. I mean, you have to be efficient, you know, and for a woman's form. I mean, do you. Yeah. So they actually um, I had to look up the date of this. But back in 2010, they actually came out with an alternative version. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's utilitarian plus it's uniformity for us. So. Right. We don't want people to have wildly different uniforms just because we're men or women because we are the way we soldiers. are soldiers. Yeah, we're just soldiers. So in 2010, they actually came out with an alternate version to account for women's hips and the hip to um, waist ratio. Mm -hmm. And um, so they, they came out with a couple of alternatives that we could buy. Um, I personally haven't really had an issue. I'm just not like an hourglass figure or anything like that. But some women, yeah, they do, you know, they have smaller waist, larger hips. And, um, bigger breasts even. You exactly. Know, right? And then also sometimes like the uniforms, I find once in a while the uniforms from like the top of your shoulder to your hand, it's a little bit too long for me. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, there there's a little bit of a challenge. It's too long and, you you know, you're doing things with your hands and it's, challenging when your sleeves are constantly falling down. So um, 2010, they actually made an alternative uh, sizing for women consideration. And then they have maternity uniforms. So if you're pregnant, there is a maternity uniform that you can um, purchase so that you can go, um, you know, have your child. And then, um, but the, the uh, it's really the challenges that I see because I just go to our clothing and sales, which is like our clothing store. And I just pull it, but sometimes, you know, the pants are too, a little bit too long or sometimes the sleeves are a little bit too long, but, um, others, they, they do have that hip challenge mm -hmm. and they have, you know, some are shorter, some yeah. are, you know, we're just, we're just different, right. you know, we're different from men. So, yeah. and the army and the services have, you know, understood that though. We had a, a, uh, a guest on a couple of episodes ago and she did many years in the Coast Guard mm -hmm. and she happened to be pregnant with uh, twins. Oh, wow. And at what, seven, eight months, her mom, they didn't have any accommodations mm -hmm. at all in mm -hmm. the uniform. So her, her mother actually made her. Really? Yeah. 
a Coast Guard uniform just so she could, you know, grow a yeah. little bit more. That mm-hmm. was interesting. Plus, I have an older daughter who mm-hmm. was in the ROTC okay. as well, and she really enjoyed it. It was the Air Force mm-hmm. here in Tampa. But this is what happened, is that she had two options for her lower half. Okay. She had a, a hideous skirt. <laughs> right. And then she had this pair of pants that were so pleated on the front, it looked like she had a penis. <laughs> and she was embarrassed wow. yeah. to wear the uniform. The, kid, really? the the guys wearing the uniform every Wednesday that was required of okay. them looked great. Looked right. on point, looked, you know, fitted really well. Yeah. Her... She had to, she felt so uncomfortable and not proud in this, in her uniform that she actually wound up quitting. Really? All because of the uniform. And that made me think of, you know, Mm -hmm. why is that? Why is that the case? I mean, first of all, you'd think that they would have accommodations for the females. Recently that she was in? I mean, like four years ago. Yeah. So, so that was my other, there was another point I want to bring up is that the men and women's dress uniform is, they're different. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple years ago, they actually changed it where usually women could only wear the skirt. And I mean, this is a couple years ago. Um, I hated wearing a skirt. Mm-hmm. I hated it. There was like the short skirt that was right above your knees. And then you could have that mid-calf pencil skirt mm-hmm. type. Um and then the army came about with the new uh, dress uniform, the, the blues that you see, they came about where the women could wear the pants. Mm-hmm. So the men that you saw had that nice, sharp look right. where with the stripe down the side, and finally they let women wear it. So I immediately invested in the pants. They don't fit um, as as nicely as you would like them to, and I think it's just because that that is the design and look of the pant. Um, with regard to possibly what your daughter might have experienced is there's a limited, uh, I'm not sure if she bought her uniform or they, they provided yeah, the uniform. Okay. So it might've just been poor design on, on yeah. behalf of that service, uh, the air force. Um, I'm not too familiar, but, um, it's me. I would say it's, it's just, a little awkward, especially like, yeah, in the front. It's in like the a, front. It's like, like it's puffy. Like, yes. It looks because yes. all the pleating. Why would you put a bunch of pleating on a woman's body? It's yeah. Just, and anyhow, I know this seems probably yeah. petty for some people out there, but I, I did I think know. It's a, that, I think it's a big conversation because women, for a long time, women have complained that you know they have to buy two, you know, one or two sizes up to fit like their hips, and then they, you know, maybe they go and get it tailored mm-hmm. on the waist to just bring it in a little bit. I personally haven't had that issue, but then again, like. You know, you see me, I'm kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. no hips. Um, but yeah, I, I think a lot of women, especially, you know, also having a pregnancy uniform, that didn't come around. And I don't know quite the date, but I mean, that didn't come around for a very long time. Right. Like you, like your friend there previously in the Coast Guard, there was no maternity uniform for women. And right. then it's, you know, what do you do? Like you have to show up in uniform, but it doesn't fit. Right. You know, and I'm a female and I'm having a child and can't really fault me for that so it's been it's definitely been a conversation um more of a steady quieter conversation that it's usually doesn't on national level importance it usually doesn't hit right too too high but it's not that it's not thought about at all it's funny i have a client who's pretty high up at mcdill and when she Mm -hmm. comes in in her uniform she's like means business and then the other day she came in in like civilian clothes I'm like damn (laughs) totally different it hides a lot and I honestly don't like tight uniforms some women come in with you know they choose a size that's appropriate for them but I kind of like my stuff a little bit baggy Mm because I don't I don't want to show my figure it's just it is what we're here for a mission yeah I don't want to be considered like you know do I have an hourglass shape or not (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, so, your work is beautiful yet raw in some mm -hmm. way. I'm not sure if you work with an art director or if you instinctually just know how to draw it out of your subject. So I haven't worked with an art director. Last uh, November was actually going to be my first time working with somebody that was art directing my shoot. And then just a series of unfortunate um, situation ended up she wasn't there. Um, but I've learned a lot from how to pose people and how to you know, give them keywords to draw out some emotion. Like, I want you to be like surprised, like your boyfriend walked in with a bunch of flowers mm -hmm. or, um, or, or there's a ball. In, of, yeah. Walked in and there's another girl. Right. <laughs> or, you know, or you got chocolate or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so I try and use keywords to kind of bring out the emotion. So I'll tell a model, hey, we're going to run through a list of emotions. I want happy, sad, angry, intense, surprise. Are these models that actually are models that are professional yeah. models that you typically yep. work with? Yeah. So most models um, that I try and work with and are signed models. So they belong to an agency. It doesn't mean that they're, you know, the main board model. They might be in development stage. So mm -hmm. they need more shoots and being in front of the camera a right. lot to kind of work their way up. So, um, or just somebody I find that has a really interesting face. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it could be anybody, but for that, you know, it's, it may be raw um, because I don't necessarily like over retouching, but at the same time, you know, we're running through a bunch of emotions. So I think um, if you're really trying to put together like an editorial for submission to a magazine, then the use of an art director would be great. If you're just trying to do portfolio work and get a couple different looks in makeup wise, then, you know, just call up a model or find them on Instagram and say, hey, do you want to shoot? Mm -hmm. And uh, find a makeup artist that wants to play along. So. Excellent. Um, who are some of your major influencers? Okay, so my very top influencer is Julia Kuzmenko. She is a beauty photographer out of LA. And uh, interesting enough, she actually trained me on beauty. Um, when I got out of the military service the first time, I emailed Julia. I was like, I love your work. I see it. The retouching is amazing. How do you do this? And I was like, do you do workshops? And she's like, yeah, do you want to come down like next weekend? I was like, well, I live in Seattle. Let me see if I can just jump on a plane. And uh, she actually gave me the opportunity. I just jumped on a plane. Um, nice. So tired when I showed up. But I uh, jumped on a plane. She taught me everything she knew. We spent a whole day together um, with one of her top models that she always works with and her like one of her best makeup artists that she has. And um, I learned so much just how to pose, what angle you're going to shoot from. But I would have to say the next person that would be on my list is Jen Collins. And these are all ladies that photograph and retouch themselves. So Jen's just like clean beauty, cover girl. She shoots a lot for, you know, a lot of those mainstream brands. And then a couple of others that I just follow on Instagram are just going to be Zuzia Zawada. I probably... How do you spell it? Um, Z-U-Z-I-A. And then the last name is Z-A-W-A-D-A. -A -A. Okay. Um, Jamie Nelson and Ulia David out of the UK. Very cool. Yeah. Um, when did you know that you found your voice in art? Um, I don't know if I've ever really found my voice. <laughs> You're still looking. <laughs> Are you sure? I mean, don't you look back at this point and you can see a theme that emerges? I went to yeah. art school, so they yeah. talk about that a lot. I was told yeah. that I was bipolar once with um, oh, really? from one uh, an art director that because mm -hmm. that my work was all over the place. Sometimes I feel so. like that. You know, sometimes I really started out like shooting on a darker background, so it kind of just made everything dark. And then 
my image consultant was like, oh, you need to shoot high key white background, which is some of the LA work from last year. And, um, you know, I, sometimes I think it's all over the world and sometimes it's, it's all beauty. That's, that's for sure. There's never going to be like this fashion, you know, thing that you might see on Instagram that just came out of left field. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely all beauty, but I still think I, I love motion. So if there's, if you see motion in my images, it's because I purposely did something. Mm -hmm. I love an intense look. I you mean like a know. shutter speed scenario where you have, you have just a trail? like hair blowing, oh, okay. um, you know, maybe but hair. Focused. Yeah, it's okay. focused. Um, but you may have like I, messiness sometimes where it's just like, that's just you, like your hair's in your face. That's fine. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of like that as well. But I mean, I, everything's center, centered around beauty. It's not, you're not going to see something fashion for me. You're not going to see a newborn photo next to a beauty sure. model. So in, in that, I think I found my niche, which is strictly beauty. Which is fun because there's so many different ideas of what beauty is and so many different like looks to capture. Right. I feel like if you were doing like a newborn shoot, I mean, not a diss to any like newborn photographers, but you know, there's the baby. There's the, fam the family. It's like, yeah. you know, kind of the same every time. But with beauty, yeah. it's like, you know, some people have freckles that you really want to zone mm -hmm. in on or somebody has like right. a gap and it's yeah. cool. Yeah. I have actually, mm -hmm. I want to ask you too, do, do you have another medium? Because I know, again, mm -hmm. in art school, I photographed, I would use mm -hmm. um, Polaroids mm -hmm. to establish and to really gain a sense of composition. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to painting. So, I mean, I was a painter, right. okay. but I used photographs to gain that. Do you have another medium that you find mm. balances and helps your eye? I don't, I think what helps me, and this is just weird because in my day job, I'm a military officer. We think very logically. Right. Or, you know, it's very regulated type thinking sometimes. And I, I don't know when I go to beauty, like when I shoot and photograph um, on a digital medium, like I just feel like that's my balance. I don't use another art medium. Mm -hmm to inspire right photography now i really want to get into film so i actually bought um a canon a1 mm -hmm. um older film camera i haven't had a chance to actually employ it too much and actually use it but um i'm hoping to actually shoot beauty maybe more like natural light type beauty on film so i mean that might be my only me other medium but i used to be a fine art like pencil drawer that right. type of thing i don't really do that too much anymore just kind of let it go. I but mean, you understand spatial relationships right. and things mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Nice. So you now live in Tampa. Welcome. Mm -hmm. um, and it's an exciting time to be in Tampa because the city is just like exploding and booming and so much mm -hmm. going on. Um, and it's nice to be a part of the expansion of a city. How are you liking Tampa so far? I love it. I left Seattle in... Oh, January 25th and probably drove through every climate zone Very getting cool. here, but it's like a 180. I mean, the sun is shining. Of course, it's going to get hotter, um, but it's just, it's so opposite of Seattle and it's, it's really, really nice actually. Yeah. And I live downtown on Harbor Island. So mm -hmm. I, you know, Walk everything's, everywhere. everything's yeah. there, which is really, really nice. I mean, I lived in Tacoma, which is right South of Seattle. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, you still needed a car. You still need a car around here, obviously. But it was um, it was a really cool place to, or this place is really cool because I mean, people are friendly. It's sunny. You know, everything's within walking distance for me. And there's so many small business entrepreneurs out there. 
I mean, there's a lot in Seattle and whatnot, but I feel like everybody here is a small business or, you know, they're, they're starting their side hustle or they're getting going on their hustle. And I think it's really inspiring, actually, to be around this environment. There's, um, I was out with some girlfriends the other night and um, we met some people. And where were they from? Colorado. Okay. And uh, it, it wasn't a particularly warm night. But one thing you'll notice is as it gets warmer, people wear less... And less and less. <laughs> and some people are really uncomfortable with it when really? you move from a northern. Oh, yeah. You know, because you have to kind of re- reset your mm-hmm. own fashion. Yep. Um, like, I guess, what do they call it? Like, calibrate your own fashion. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You, you can you see that. You're not wearing yeah. black all I mean, okay, I'm wearing black right now. <laughs> I, so, I love black. So I love black. Yeah, I understand. But that. do you see what I mean? So, right. you know, where it's mm-hmm. much more appropriate to wear a spaghetti strap micro dress maybe not a micro dress but right. you know opposed I've seen to- a lot of guys walking around without shirts which is sometimes very appealing <laughs> oh until they turn around and you realize they were on steroids possibly <laughs> or they have um, a dad body <laughs> or that too beer gut that too um, there's a lot of really fit people here yeah I, well I think that's the other nice thing is that this place from what I've read a lot about it's designed to be you know for an active lifestyle yeah. and staying healthy so it's that's also a plus. I'm not saying that they don't do that in Seattle, but I mean, there's so many people just outside. Which well, is I really th- nice. I'm pretty sure Tampa was like voted like, if not number one, like high up mm-hmm. there, most vain city. Yeah, and that was is because it? it was 2015. <laughs> okay, most vain. I think the year, unless it was voted again after that point, but it's because the amount of um, nails. Nail shops we have, mm-hmm. um, plastic surgeons. Lash studios. <laughs> Lash studios is our biz. I see a lot of plastic surgeons. Yeah, and it's just per capita, mm-hmm. essentially. Because, okay. you know, Tampa's really not that big. I think we're still at like $3 million for the Tampa-St. Pete area. Okay. But it's growing every day. Um, so, yeah, we, we definitely got that that title. But it's kind of nice. Again, you know, we were mm-hmm. talking about vanity earlier. It's like I don't really so much see it as vanity as people just... Taking care you know, of themselves. It's 2019. Yep. Like, you can get plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. Yep. For sure. I love it. Same. I love Tampa. Um, (laughs) So you offer workshops. That's really exciting. So tell us about what you offer, how a new or a seasoned photographer could benefit from your workshop. Okay. So beauty is so different than anything else. You could shoot weddings. You could shoot um, portrait work. You're never really getting in somebody's personal space. And really with this type of work, unless you're going to spend like the couple thousand dollars on a really telescopic type lens, you know, I use a hundred millimeter macro lens, which mm-hmm. is only this large and probably from maybe another foot back is, you know, about three feet is where my starting point. So I feel like I'm in your space and mm-hmm. most photographers don't do that. So I think one, getting comfortable, you know, in somebody else's space and then only dealing from the collarbone up because I think, um, Again, photographers don't normally do that. And if you're interested in beauty photography, it's more about understanding the environment that you're working in, the angles that you're shooting from, and what you're really looking for and what's really going to you know, be captured in your lens. Because most of the time, if you want to shoot very close up, we're just getting snaps of the eye or we're going to see every pore. We're, that's what we're aiming to do is we're trying to see everything because when you take it into the retouching side, that's how you get that skin. You know, you have to capture as much information in that data file as possible. So, That's I mean, a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's all data. It's, it's really just all data. But the other thing is a lot of photographers don't know how to use lighting. And I'm not saying I'm perfect at it, but I found my style and I found, you know, the particular pieces of equipment that make for an easy setup or do the job without spending thousands and thousands of dollars. Of course, I've invested in 
lot of money trying mm-hmm. things. So I'm just trying to cut out all that extra work for photographers and say, listen, spend your money in education so that you understand exactly what it is that you think you want to do totally. and then spend the money on the equipment that you might need without going overboard. You don't need, I think I probably need five pieces of equipment at, at the most the camera, the lens, the backdrop, the light and the modifier. So it keeps you mobile. Yeah. So you can, I mean, I could probably shoot it. I mean, literally this space that we're in, it's, it's not very big, but I could shoot beauty. And most of the time I shot beauty in my living room. Mm-hmm. I don't, you don't need a studio. Mm-hmm. Now you want the studio for other reasons, but um, you don't need a lot of space to shoot beauty, especially with, you know, a makeup artist, a model and a photographer, mm-hmm. you know, this small room could actually do it. So a lot of people think that you need this massive studio and all this lighting equipment. You have to have five different lights shooting. You don't, you need one light, one model, one makeup artist and a camera. How do you make money? You know, this mm-hmm. is going to be another thing. Is you talk yeah. about, you, you talk, uh, or you've said a, a couple of times it's separate mm-hmm. fashion is separate from beauty. So yeah. how how are you making money? Or is it so cosmetic right companies? Now, or? Yeah. So the the target is um, like cosmetic companies, but also like small businesses like lash companies or you know small cosmetic indie indie beauty brands, or even just personal branding. Mm-hmm. You want something different. You don't want the typical corporate headshot. I'm here for that. So, um, you know, my, there's workshops, there's, um, I also do a little website building for artists that just don't know how to do it or, you know, don't know where to start, set that up for them. Also, um, headshots, personal branding, and then really just, I'm targeting small businesses. I don't have the time to be flying to, you know, shoot major campaigns, nor do I think I'm at that level. And I'll just be realistic with myself. So, and that's kind of why I'm working with an image consultant as well as the outreach, trying to reach those brands or even those smaller beauty brands, you know, because Maybelline has a lot of smaller beauty brands that they're developing to eventually either be incorporated into Maybelline or maybe become another brand all their own. So my intent is just at this time, I just want to stay small. I'm new. I'm only 60 days here, I think. Oh, in Tampa, yeah. Yeah. So I'm just trying to take it very slow. But like I said, you know, in an earlier conversation, I would love to photograph the everyday woman that wants this type of headshot for herself Mm -hmm. um, instead of like a typical corporate headshot. Right. Yeah. Well, great. Well, we are moving into our rapid fire. So this is Jennifer's top 10. Mm -hmm. And um, the first one, we you actually spent quite a bit of time in Seattle. How many years were you out there? I was in the area five years. Five years. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we do have a Seattle question. What was your favorite eatery in Seattle? I actually picked my local because um, I was like south of Seattle, but it's called Puget Sound Pizza. I lived, like, I lived on um, Vashon Island Okay, Puget Sound. Yeah. You ever been on Vashon? Yep. So Once where is it? Twice. West Was it West Seattle? Um, or was it actually in Tacoma? It's actually in Tacoma. Okay. And I think they have a couple other um, stores that in a different location, but um, it's like, kind of like your dive bar pizza place with beer. So, so Puget Sound Pizza. Yeah, and they called it P- PSP Pizzas. Just it was kind of like the spot you went to, you know, when you just wanted some like quick pizza and good, a, and good I mean, beer. Yeah, tasty. It was, it was really good actually, and the price point was pretty good too as well. So nice. it's local. Um, what about your favorite Tampa eats? You say you've only really been here a few months, but yeah. you must have something. Okay, so I actually go back to City Dog Cantina in the Channel Mm -hmm. Side District only because they take your dog. 
So normally I go to Only Davis. because? Well, <laughs> it's easy because I go to Davis Island, let the dog run around yeah. on the dog beach, then take them to that area where um, City Dog Cantina is, mm-hmm. but right around the corner is the modern paw. And I hose him down, and then we oh. walk over to City Dog Cantina. I get to drink, and he gets to dry off. So, um, <laughs> Win-win. So I like it, and the food's pretty good, too. So. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, what about, since you spent some time in the Middle East, mm-hmm. what about your favorite Middle Eastern food? Because I spent time in the Middle East, we try not to this eat is... the local food. Um, so actually, something that yeah. Well, I'm fun. I'm partially Lebanese, oh, so okay. um, if I had to say like a Middle Eastern food, my grandma used to make like baklava, mm. and she really made it really good. And honestly, I haven't had it in a really long time. Where like it was just homemade. So but... we need one of our listeners to send. Yeah, send, send some, some send some to my place in uh, in uh, Harbor Island because I mean I don't even know how to make it so. Um, pour on me, but I just never learned. I <laughs> okay. just go out to eat it. What about the strangest thing about living in the desert environment? So, I mean, Afghanistan's desert, but they actually have snow-capped mountains, mm-hmm. and it's so pretty in the winter. Um, where I was particularly, like, we were just surrounded by these really, really um, beautiful snow-capped mountains. So, I think a lot of people think desert is just this desert, desert. It's a dry environment, but, I mean, it, it has... In the wintertime, because the elevation is so high, it just, it's amazing. Like, you would think you were in a totally different country. So, um, I have a client who's um, in the military, and she, I don't know, we get on these crazy subjects all the time, and every now and then, some of her mm-hmm. experiences will come through, and we were talking about spiders. Ugh. <laughs> you didn't hear that conversation? Mm-mm. Yeah. Now, have you ever seen a camel spider? I have. I personally have not, but a lot of my friends, you know, they see them all the time. I just had the pleasure of never seeing one, but they exist. And apparently they're very scary Ugh. and you want to run from them. So she said when she first arrived, I think she was in Iraq, mm-hmm. um, everything was kind of like lifted and on a grating, like mm-hmm. on grates. Okay. And so she just... I don't know, thought just, I'm sure some of the sand gets off, you know, when you mm-hmm. get step on the platform and so forth. But one time she showed up um, and it was just after dusk and she's walking up the stairs and onto the grate. And then all of a sudden she sees the entire ground moving. Oh. And she looked down and she realized it was thousands of these no. fist size, <laughs> at least, if not larger spiders. Yeah. And that was one of the reasons why they had the grates. I was like, ugh. <laughs> So they, I didn't know they, if you saw anything strange like that there. No, um, I don't know. Everybody talks about it. I've never actually run into one, thank God. But um, I, they do exist in real life, and they're really big. And and apparently they feed on camels. <gasps> I mean, I'm sure yeah, other animals too, but yeah, no. crazy. I, so yeah. nothing crazy like that that you no, saw? You no, no. I mean, it's pretty, pretty tame. I've seen other crazy things, but it's not... Camel, like camel spiders, I've never seen snakes. I have seen, um, not a fan of snakes either. Um, like I run, like I, they freak me out so much. But no, I, I've never seen a camel spider personally, but I've heard plenty of stories that they exist and they are very big. What mm-hmm. is the number one beauty must have while in the desert? The um, or a primer, yeah, a primer with SPF. So I use the Bobby Brown, it has like SPF 50 use it every day and I honestly usually you kind of walk away with like the sunglass tan <laughs> okay and then a tan that like kind of stops here mm-hmm. at your neckline and uh I would say every woman needs to have a primer with SPF if you're not going to wear anything else just have a primer with SPF Wait, Amen. so if you could talk to a living or deceased artist artist who would it be 
Honestly, she's living. Um, her name's Emily Soto, and I met her a long time ago. Um, she had just started shooting fashion work in New York. And I, I mean, I would love to talk to her. She's so nice. She's so down to earth. And uh, she's just killing it in New York City. She, what would you want to know? Like, what, what do you, how do you More feel? like business. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always interested in the business side of the photography as an art because it's not easy. You know, how do you convince somebody to pay you $1,000 for an image or, you know, your work? Um, some people have figured it out. Other people are kind of, you know, still trying to find the right price point. So I would want to talk to her because she's more dealing with the commercial side of things. And uh, I feel like her rise was, I mean, she worked hard, but all of a sudden, I mean, she's she's shooting Birdie, she's shot Christy Brinkley, mm-hmm. she's shot Kate, um, uh, what is it? Not Kate Beckinsale. Uh, Moss? No, I think I got the name wrong. But she shot, she saw a lot of top models and whatnot. And, uh, you know, she's, she's just kind of in the moment doing it. So I think it's really cool that... You know, she's a female. She's, you know, came from San Diego. Now she's in New York right. and she's just killing it out there. Have to check her out. What mm-hmm. about your favorite shade of lip for all skin types? So I know you're not a makeup artist mm-hmm. specifically, but I'm right. sure you've yeah. got a grasp over what works. Right. Honestly, if you're going for a clean beauty look or just kind of an everyday, maybe do your brows, put some mascara on, maybe do a little bit of liner. I think your natural lip color with a little bit of a bite to it. So if you kind of, you know, bite your lip a little bit mm-hmm. and that flush color that comes out, mm-hmm. that's your color. And I think it works all the time. Even even for photo shoots, we'll try and, you know, if it's a clean beauty thing, we'll try and match that. So it just looks natural. It doesn't look like, you know, it's it's too red for your skin or, or too brown or, or whatnot. So... I just think your natural lip color, if you're trying to keep it natural and not be overdone, right? Uh, just go with your lip color. So what about the one beauty product you can't live without? Brow gel. Okay. Has... You have some good yeah. brows. Yeah. Got a yeah. good amount of hair If you density. let me pick two, I'd have to take your brow pencil and, and gel. It's <laughs> kind a, of a... Do you have a favorite important. brand? Um, I use Bobby Brown right now. And actually for brow gel, I just picked up NYX. Yeah, yeah, super cheap but accessible. Yeah, I think sometimes $20 is overkill for brow gel because you're using it every day and it doesn't have a color. Mm -hmm. Well, Bobby Brown's the master and and Abby, Mm -hmm. we talk about Bobby Brown a lot because Abby loves neutrals and Mm -hmm. things like that. So Yeah, I think it's for everyday wear. I think that's perfect. Right. All right. How about um, the one place on earth you would love to shoot? It's not really like a scenic place, obviously, but Milk Studios, because when you're shooting in Milk, you're shooting big campaigns. And I think you've, when you're getting into Milk. So it's, this is a destination it's like, of it's your a, career kind yeah, of place. Yeah. But where is that? Um, they have a studio in LA and they have a studio in New York as well. And it's Milk just like the drink? Yep. Yep. So if I you just, get there, you pretty much made it. Is that any relation to the makeup line Milk? No, I don't think so. No, it's, um, I just feel like I'm a very, like, I'm like a goal oriented person. So, you know, yeah, I could say Bali or whatnot, but frankly, I could probably find the same thing in Bali here because you're taking a picture of a face, not necessarily the landscape. But I think when you look at it from a a business goal perspective is that if you've made it to shoot in milk, you, you know, it's an expensive studio to shoot and you just don't roll up one day and say, I need to use your studio. Can you give me an hourly rate? I mean, it's, it's oh, a big so thing. Oh, so you actually rent studio space from milk. That's what they do. Or do yeah, they coordinate? Are there's, there's big campaign shoots in there. Um, 
lot of uh, it it's a studio space it's mm-hmm. designed for renting out mm-hmm. um but the people that can afford that are going to be like your campaigns like your right. your gucci and your um like your big commercial projects really so those are the type of people that are going to shoot like large campaigns editorials magazine covers that kind of thing in those in that um those studios there and then uh who would you love to photograph someday Gal Gadot. Oh, oh God, she's my girl. Gosh, she is such Isn't my girl. She? Wasn't she in the military? Yeah. So actually, um, because she's Israeli, she yeah, has she the has compulsory um, service. But I just think she she's like amazing. I yeah. don't like. I look at her and I'm like, you're you're beautiful, obviously. But I think there's a lot more. Yeah. You know, a lot of hard work. I mean, she's obviously done some military time. Um, but I, I was just trying to think because I was going to say Angelina Jolie, but who has like a lot of soul in like the eyes and whatnot. But I just think Gal Gadot is just amazing. Yeah, she's she is mm-hmm. definitely gorgeous. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll I'll be in the room when you shoot her. What about like Angelina and some of the you know because she is mm-hmm. she does a lot of like beauty type or just, would she consider her more portraiture? I would consider her more portraiture. Um, she creates some timeless pieces though, right? And you know I I do like that style of portraiture as well so i mean i look at her stuff all the time and she just somehow creates like this you know like this other space yeah when she photographs her subjects and i just don't know what it is it might be the editing style it might be um but it's also different it, it's, it's yeah. also different based on the subject right yeah. and it's it's tailored to that person of course right. but she's um an, she's yeah she's incredible, amazing incredible talent yep. Well, um, so tell the listeners where they can find you on social media. Okay. So I'm website is jennifer-mcintyre.com. Um, I'm on Instagram with uh, at Jennifer McIntyre with two underscores after um, my last name. And then on Facebook, you can find me just Jennifer McIntyre, beauty photographer. And if you want to work with me, I have a slightly different website. It's called workshops.com. Jennifer dash McIntyre.com. Can you say that again? Workshops. Workshops dot Jennifer dash McIntyre.com. Okay. And that's where if you want to do a workshop, a headshot, personal branding session, you can find all of that there. Well, awesome. Well, thank you for joining us today and telling us your story. Yeah, it was thank really you. Great. I appreciate really it. Informative it was fun. And yeah. I will, we wish you the best of luck. Thanks. I appreciate on your it. journey. You have been listening to Instant Pretty Podcast. Check us out on Instagram as well as Jennifer at Instant Pretty Podcast. And please review us wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Talia Keene. And I'm Abby Kiefer. Stay pretty, America. Stay pretty. This is a Forking Around Town with Tracy Guida Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Today I have Vincent Andriotti. So tell me a little bit about your your style, your culinary style. Um, if I could just go into one, I would like to do Italian food, but with like kind of French techniques involved, okay. you know. So, but I also just like to wing it, you know, contemporary American, whatever it is that right. I'm seeing that's local, seasonal, trending right at the moment, mm-hmm. and take my own spin on it as well and just run with it because my mind likes to run. And that's mine. Yeah, I just let it do its thing, and whatever it is ends up on a plate. 
Forking Around Town with Tracy Guida can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.